am Pastor Todd. I am the children's pastor here. Uh, if you've never seen me before, but you come to church, it's probably because I've been next door with your kids. Or if you don't have kids, I've been next door with somebody else's kids. Um, so I've been here about 21, 23 years, somewhere in there. Um, I am Pastor Jamal. I am the youth pastor here. Uh, been here for almost, well, actually, I think I misspoke when I said 12 years. It's not 12 years yet. It's 12 years in November of this year. So I've been here a little over 11 years. My name is Matt. I'm the young adults pastor here. I'm newer around here. I've been here for the last couple of months, but I've been in youth ministry for the last um, seven and a half, eight years. And now I've been here, actually, I think right around six months. So. I'm Pastor Bonnie. I've been the worship pastor for 10 years. That, oh, as long as you have. Oh, so not almost 12 years. Okay, I lost count. And I'm Pastor Jeff, the lead pastor. I've been here for uh, 25 years this week. Hey, today. 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 Yeah, All right. All right, great. So uh, really excited that you guys are all here. Um, we do usually on Mondays what we call the Monday morning recap. We like to talk about Pastor Jeff's sermon. And, uh, you know, a lot of times you don't always get to talk about as much as you like to when you preach or sometimes it makes you think. And so we just spend an hour or so talking about it. And so we want to kind of do the same thing tonight, but specifically on this topic of baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And so the reason uh, for that is because, again, we've, we've, uh, we believe in this at our church, and probably for as many people that are here tonight listening to this, you've had, uh, there's probably that many different types of experiences or beliefs at church. Maybe I've heard it said before, um, maybe uh, you believe in God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Bible, like, <laughs> and uh, there's really no Holy Spirit. It's, we don't talk about that. That's weird. Maybe you've been in other uh, circles before, and uh, the Holy Spirit is super emphasized. In fact, maybe church almost seems like kind of crazy, or I feel uncomfortable here, or they, somebody's prayed over you, whatever. We all come from different places, and so um, the goal of tonight is we want to take the pressure off by having a conversation about this topic. Um, we think it's important, and Pastor Jeff's sermon today was awesome, talking about the value of the Holy Spirit, who he is in our lives, and um, so that's why we want to talk about it. But so just as we begin, kind of put it out there to you guys, um, I guess I kind of already hinted to it, but why is there such division or misunderstanding over this idea, uh, not just the Holy Spirit, but baptism in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, why does that, why do people get antsy? Why do people get, why is there division about it? Nobody ever wants to be first to answer any questions that Pastor Matt asks. But I think, um, you know, there's, different interpretations of scripture. People read, read it into scriptures differently. And so there's different interpretations as far as what the scriptures mean when they speak about speaking in tongues, when they talk about the gifts of tongues, when they talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, many denominations believe it's it was for the biblical times and it's not for today. Um, and then, you know, you get the other end of the spectrum where you have denominations who take a small portion of scripture and apply it and make it something other and, and kind of make it what it's all, you know, more than what it is. Um, and so then it kind of gets taken out of context and blown up proportion and kind of becomes almost fleshly 
part of self. Weird, right? Um, just, just blown out of proportion. Um, and so I think it's just important to understand what scripture, you know, says and what foundationally, you know, the experiences of, you know, our, for, our forefathers essentially were to understand it. Yeah, so interpretation of scripture, how people interpret it. Yeah. Some people may take it too far, too extreme. Right. Um, some people may even say that about even our own church. And so we're going to look at what the Bible says about it. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Any other thoughts? Do you guys feel wise or division on this subject? I think sometimes there's division, too, because there's <clears throat> we've experienced abuse of the spirit where people will um, step out and do things and blame it on God. And it really wasn't God doing it. It was their own desires. It was their own um, heart, uh, which we can talk about later. But I think we've all been in places where we've seen the gifts of the Holy Spirit abused. And sometimes that brings incredible confusion about was that real? Was it not real? What is God saying? Uh, What do I do with this? So I think that is another thing that brings division and misunderstanding when we see it used not the way it's presented in Scripture. Yeah, and I think also, too, just it's a little bit outside of our comfort zone. I mean, even talking about um, speaking in tongues, like that's kind of phenomenal, like as just an experience in and of itself. It's kind of strange. So, um, you know, it, it, it can be a little bit uncomfortable uh, maybe when we talk about that. And again, that's our goal. Did you have any thoughts on that, Pastor Will? Um, And so again, that's our goal for tonight, to take the pressure off by simply talking about it. I think I was telling this to Pastor uh, Jeff today after church. Sometimes you just say, uh, you talk about a subject, and it seems like, man, why, why do you emphasize it so much? And it's actually just the weight of the topic. That's what it is. You say, you say, baptism in the Holy Spirit. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like Because the topic is so weighty. And so again, we're just trying to, Man, kind of lighten it a little bit as we have a discussion. So as we talk, I want to do this first. We're going to define some terms that's going to help us. We're going to kind of set up a theology a little bit. This is to help us better understand what we're talking about. I think a lot of times the confusion is because we're saying the same things but using different words or using the same words to talk about something different. That happens so much. And here's an example of why we're doing this. In the Bible, you'll never find the term the Trinity, You'll never see the Trinity anywhere, but we talk about it in church all the time. Well, that's because the Bible teaches the Trinity. The Bible teaches the concept of the Trinity, that there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, uh, three in one, this whole idea. And so we, we call it the Trinity. That's, you know, doctrinally, theologically speaking. And so we want to do the same thing, just kind of set up some terms uh, for tonight that will help us. And... Um, Uh, Again, it'll kind of help with some confusion. So the Bible uses words like filled, baptized by, baptized in, um, lots of different words when it comes to the topic of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to help kind of give some words for us. So let's start with this. Uh, You guys can weigh in on this. Let's just start a little bit broader first. Who is the Holy Spirit? Um, When we become a Christian, what's the Holy Spirit's role in my life? And why don't we start there? Yeah, let's just start there. They're pointing at you. I mean, basic. So, it doesn't have to be overly so complicated. Nice it just... takes us off the hook. So, yeah. go ahead. Um, so uh, the Holy Spirit is a person. Um, I think that is very important for us to understand. Um, and I think I'm even guilty sometimes of um, taking the Holy Spirit and, and, and using the word it, or, you know, when the Holy Spirit does 
this in our life, it, you know, and then sometimes that, that's how it comes out. But the theologically correct understanding is uh, the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that is a doctrinal thing that we see throughout Scripture. Um, and moreover, we see uh, the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself, refer to the Holy Spirit as a person. So, um, it, you know, if you want to get, I mean, that is really just, that's it. Yeah. Jesus refers to him as a person. That's just what it is, period. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know that one of the questions came in that uh, Tony Campolo refers to the Holy Spirit as a she. And yeah, I don't know if you've ever heard that before. And where that comes from is Genesis, and I'm not saying where, this is where he gets it from. In Genesis chapter one, it says, and the spirit of God was hovering over the water. And the Hebrew word for spirit is rock, which is a female, um, uh, is, is in a female voice. Um, and the uh, hovering verb is also feminine. But we see other places in scripture where the word spirit is used and a female verb attached to it, but it doesn't necessarily uh, identify gender. Uh, like in Genesis uh, 41.8, it talks about, uh, let me just move to it real quick. So you have a reference to this. Uh, Genesis chapter 41.8, in the morning his mind it's talking about Pharaoh, his mind or his spirit was troubled. Both are feminine, but we know that Pharaoh was not feminine, so it doesn't determine his gender. And also Jacob, remember when uh, Jacob heard that his son was alive and it says Jacob's spirit was revived. The spirit, once again, ruach is feminine and the verb is feminine, but that doesn't mean Jacob was feminine. So anyway, we know that the spirit, God is spirit, and you got the clinching point. Well, I mean, so uh, Genesis, or not Genesis, that's a good reference, though. But, uh, John chapter 15, verse 26, uh, Jesus is uh, in chapter 15. He's actually unpacking for the disciples. Hey, listen, uh, this is the, the Holy Spirit that, that's going to come. You know, my father has this gift for you guys. You know, be prepared for this. And um, uh, verse 26, he says, you know what, um, when you guys go and wait for him, trust and believe that when he comes, Jesus uses the word he, all right? So um, I'm just going to put it in this particular term so that I guess uh, right now, culturally, there's a lot of different conversations about gender terms and how they should be used and how they should not be used. And one of the things within um, the LGBTQI community uh, that they advocate for is that you need to respect the way a person chooses to self-identify. And that's the rule that they say. They say if this person says that they refer to themselves as a she, even though they were born with uh, male parts, you need to respect what that person says and refer to them as such. If that is the case, then what we can now defer or you know, kind of de deduce from this information is that Jesus refers to God the Father as he. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as he. And Jesus himself being God, we can say God self-identifies as male. So if you hear people try to say different things and say, well, God is a female, you know, let's pray to mother God. Well, that's actually biblically inaccurate because God himself refers to himself as he. So if we're going to play by that rule, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they self-identify as male. Therefore, that's just what it is. Yeah, and what was that scripture? 
John chapter 15, verse 26. It says, but when the, hope, when the helper comes, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father. Again, here's a masculine term to represent God, right? God the Father. says, the spirit of truth proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness about me. So, you know, put that in your pocket. That's awesome. Yeah. And there's probably more that we could say when it comes to, um, you know, God's identity and how we understand him and how male and female are represented, um, <clears throat> you know, are representations of his image. But that's awesome. And again, for our purposes. So that's a great because that was a question that came in. And um, <clears throat> that's why in our church services, we're doing it what we see according to what's in the Bible. We're not only getting half of it right or something like that. We're basing it totally on scripture when it comes to that. And so uh, that's who the Holy Spirit is, the third person of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit is God. He's the third person in the Trinity. And um, when you become a Christian, do you have the Holy Spirit? Uh, again, we don't have to be overly complicated here. I just want to establish a theology for us. When you become a Christian, what does you get the Holy Spirit? What does that mean? Like, Yeah, so <clears throat> um, when you become a believer, and how, whatever terms you want to say, ask Jesus into your heart or saying the sinner's prayer, however you want to put it. But when we come to a point where we place our faith in Jesus Christ, he gives us the Holy Spirit. So if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit right now within you. And it's not something that you have to reach a certain spiritual level to, okay, I'm holy enough now, I'm faithful enough now that I can get the Holy Spirit. No, scripture is pretty clear that the Holy Spirit comes in that moment when you come to Jesus and place your faith in him. Okay, and so um, when you become a Christian, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. So here's, um, for again, our purposes tonight in talking about baptism in the Holy Spirit, we're gonna use different words here. So there's a um, there's infilling of the Holy Spirit and there's baptism in the Holy Spirit. And again, the nuance is just for our own understanding. And so what's the difference between being filled with the Holy Spirit and being baptized in the Holy Spirit? Can you guys speak to that? So filled with the Holy Spirit is upon salvation, when the Holy Spirit helps you to live in this new faith that you have in Jesus Christ. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is what we find evidenced in Acts chapter two and um, you know Acts chapter two and eight and ten eleven, um, where the people where they're praying in other tongues or they're speaking in other tongues. And that is evidence that of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they use those specific terminologies in those cases, in those chapters. Okay. And so um, when you're a Christian, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And um, it, there's so many passages in the Bible that talk about that. I think about Ephesians chapter one, where you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. He's a deposit of our inheritance. And so you, if you're here and you follow Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, you're giving your heart to him. Absolutely. No questions. Um, are you saved if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. There's just no questions there. And so when we talk about baptism in the Holy Spirit, we're talking about, uh, uh, again, for our purposes, a separate experience. But what do you want to say about that? I was question? actually going to say, I think, I think they, this is my personal opinion, personal opinion alert. Um, I think that those two terms are actually more interchangeable than what we actually give them credit for. Part of the reason why I say that is because Paul says, hey, I want you to keep on being filled. You know, like there is this idea that Paul is trying to get across of, hey, listen, this isn't just this one time thing. I want you to keep 
on being filled. And I think uh, I have to go back and look at the entire context of that. But I think that when we talk about baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, and being filled with the Holy Spirit, um, because those terms are so interchangeable throughout scripture, I think it's the nuance of context that allows us to decipher in which way those words are being used, right? So if you're in conversation with someone, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and you're talking about uh, you're using these terms, I think it's important to maybe ask a question, right, and say, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about salvation? Are we talking about the gifts of the Spirit? Are we talking about uh, the deposit that God has given us? But by asking those questions, I think you can better understand uh, the context of the, of the conversation and then be able to be okay with using those terms in those interchangeable roles, but it's all a matter of the context in which those things are being spoken. I just had a quick thought too about being filled with the Holy Spirit and when you're baptized, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit upon salvation, you know, at salvation you have the potential because you're coming to Jesus and in faith and so you have that potential now for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism, if you think about it in a physical sense, what are you doing? You're surrendering yourself. And when we talk about baptism of the Holy Spirit and receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we talk about a lot about surrender. And so when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have that potential, but it's not until you surrender to let the outpouring of that filling happen. And so that, you know, those two things can flow together. Absolutely. Yeah. And right. So um, we're not trying to differ, over differentiate here. Um, just again, to help us understand a little bit, but I actually love how you said that too. Like as soon, um, at salvation, you now have the potential for what else God wants to do in your life through the Holy Spirit. And so uh, a good way to summarize is this, this actually comes from uh, the Assemblies of God position paper, baptism in the Holy Spirit summed up well at conversion, the spirit baptizes, uh, baptizes into Christ or the body of Christ in a subsequent and distinct experience, Christ will baptize in the Holy Spirit. So, again, just this is just terminology right now, um, and and uh, we'll move move on to some biblical data in a couple minutes. So, what is speaking in tongues? Quickly, let's talk about what do we mean by that, and are there some different uh, uses for speaking in tongues? Can you guys speak to that? So, speaking in tongues is actually kind of easy to understand. It's when you're speaking in a different language. That's all it is. But <clears throat> when we're referring to baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, we're not just talking about a different language that you know. If you've taken Spanish classes at school, your baptism in the Holy Spirit is not going to be Spanish. Okay, It's a language that you don't know. <clears throat> um, I, I have a couple things up here about how to explain it to kids, and I, use, I love to do that because it's simple. You know, And if a kid can understand it, hopefully us as adults can. It is speaking in a language you do not know as the Holy Spirit enables you. And that's basically as simple as it can get. It's speaking in a language that you've not been taught. You don't know it. But the Holy Spirit enables you to speak in another language. I've heard testimonies about how it's another earthly language. And some people have it as a heavenly language. But in either case, it's something that you have not been taught. It's not something that you have studied. It's not something where um, <clears throat> it, it, you read it from a book or it's a word that somebody gives you to say over and over again. It's an unlearned thing that the Spirit enables. Awesome. Yeah, so it's as simple as that as far as uh, um, the understanding of what speaking in tongue is, uh, speaking, speaking in tongues 
is that experience. And so um, in our circles, especially in the Assemblies of God, we talk about the initial physical evidence of spirit baptism. So um, can we just say what that is as we're talking about speaking in tongues? Again, because I think, here's what I'm trying to get at. I think um, we can get confused. We talk about why, why do you, uh, one of the questions that came in was actually, why do we emphasize speaking in tongues maybe in our church or in the Assemblies of God? Why does it seem that we emphasize this so much? Um, I think it can be because there's confusion on its purpose or what, what we actually believe about its purpose. So what are, what's the purpose of speaking in tongues? What, what are the different things? So initial physical evidence, what's that? And then um, kind of public and private, what, is, what does that mean if you guys can speak to that? So I'm just going to quote from um, Rick Dubois, uh, Dubois, general treasurer of um, Assemblies of God. He wrote an article about what is the Holy Spirit. And so he's, historically, the rediscovery of the doctrine of speaking in tongues as initial physical evidence of the Holy Spirit baptism began with a Topeka, Kansas Bible school assignment. Okay? And we know the Assemblies of God began in Topeka, Kansas, and the revivals among the students at this school. And the students were asked to research what the Bible had to say about speaking in tongues as the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. After much study, it was concluded that the only repeatable sign of Holy Spirit baptism as termed in Scripture was speaking in tongues. And nowhere in Scripture was the importance of spirit baptism ever diminished. So they searched the Scriptures thoroughly. They went through it together um, as a group, as a collective. It wasn't just an individual person or persons who did this, but it was a collective group of Bible school students who discovered in Scripture that the doctrine of speaking in tongues as an initial physical evidence of the Holy Spirit baptism as termed baptism was speaking in tongues. And that was the evidence that was projected. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I, part of, I think part of what that, ooh, sorry, I pressed something. Uh, part of, <clears throat> excuse me, to kind of jump on board, piggyback off of that is, you may be saying to yourself, okay, cool, that's great and all, but what exactly was it that they researched? Like, what is the thing that they researched that made me say, then made them say, oh, yes, this is clear. And actually, well, actually, I won't get into that. But um, what my professors tried to teach us in college and what a lot of the conversation has been uh, amongst some of the Assemblies of God um, pastors who are under 40, there's a group called... Um, it's a, it's a group of under 40 AG ministers, and one of the things that they kind of go back and forth about is IPE, which is initial physical evidence. But one, what they have found is part of the reason why they came to this conclusion is because when you read in Scripture about these instances where the initial physical evidence uh, was made manifest, the thing that they saw in all of those spaces and places was people speaking in tongues. And so... When Luke is writing in Acts, it's almost, if you can, if you read it in its context, you'll start to see Luke's language about those instances become normative in speaking about the initial, initial physical evidence subsequent with speaking in tongues. So there's a point where um, 
Paul bumps into some uh, disciples of John the Baptist. Uh, and he says to them, he's talking to them. He's like, oh, you guys are out here doing this thing. He's like, all right, what, what baptism did you receive? And they said, well, we received John's baptism. And they were like, whoa, you haven't gotten the Holy Spirit? Like, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? They're like, we didn't even know there was another baptism. Can you, can you, you know, make us hip to this? And so Paul sp- starts to speak to them about it. And then Luke writes, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. So there is this understanding in the language, in the stories being told, that when God would show up and they would speak in tongues, that's how they knew that they had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was tongues that allowed them to understand, oh, they got it. Like they would see this take place and they say, oh man, they're starting to speak in another language. They've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. So it became almost like a colloquial understanding in those situations and circumstances is how do we, like almost like, how do we measure something supernatural? Uh, how do we measure this? And the way we measure it is when they start doing this, that's how we know. Like that's how we know because it was just like this in the upper room. It was just like this in this instance and in this instance. And so it becomes normative language throughout Acts uh, and then obviously throughout Paul's writings that this is what we understand to be uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is the initial physical evidence when people start speaking in tongues. And we see that in Acts chapter 19 in Ephesus, where Paul said, did you receive the baptism? We received John's baptism. We also see that at the house of Cornelius. When Peter went to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile, and Peter's uh, followers saw that the Gentiles had received the Holy Spirit. How did they know they had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? They heard him speaking in tongues. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the baptism, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was evident with tongues. And in Acts chapter 8, Simon the sorcerer was willing to pay for the gift of laying on hands. And now it's implied, but what Simon the sorcerer must have seen, he must have saw something physical taking place if he was willing to pay for the ability to lay on hands. And what's implied there is that as hands were laid upon them, they were speaking in tongues, which made Simon the sorcerer willing to pay. I want to pay to be able to have this gift. And I think Peter said, may you and your money perish. No, that is not what he said. Peter (laughs) said, may you and your money burn in yeah. It is what he said. I'm just telling he you respond, he's he like, wait, pre- please pray for me. But 100% Peter is, but, but two, so let's, I'm going to kind of flip this. It's a funny moment, but I'm going to flip it on its head. The, the gravity of something like this that made Peter respond like, you know what? You know where you can take your money? Like, because this is not something to be trifled with. It's not a game. This is not a toy. This is a gift from God for the building up of his church and the building up of his kingdom. Um, so woe to those who play, to play games with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. No, I was going to say, I think a lot of times that when we read uh, Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul asks some rhetorical questions, are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all receive the gift of healings? Do all speak in tongues? Well, no, not everybody speaks in tongues. Now we have to make the, differ, the difference between the evidence of the baptism, which is speaking in tongues, as well as the gift of tongues in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, because that's where a lot of confusion takes place. Yeah, and that's exactly where I wanted to go. So we're talking about baptism in the Holy Spirit as a separate experience from salvation uh, that you have the potential of at salvation. 
the initial physical evidence of that is speaking in tongues. We see that there's lots of biblical data on this, and that's where we're going next is what, what does the Bible say about this? So Acts 2, Acts 10, Acts 19, Acts 8 is implied. Um, so we see biblical data for this. The question kind of becomes, is this normal or normative? That's what you hinted at, uh, Pastor Jamal. That is this, is it just, is it, well, normally that's what happens when you speak in tongues, uh, when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you speak in tongues. Or is it normative? Actually, when you're baptized, it, it's normative. But either way, it seems to be uh, at least a normal part of the Christian walk. Um, and so when we get confused, so speaking in tongues serves as initial physical evidence. But there are also other uses. There's also what's called the gift of tongues. Because when we were talking about this the other day, talking about this uh, scenario, Pastor Jamal, you're bringing up like, oh, you know, there's scriptures that talk about, well, there needs to be an interpretation when they're speaking in tongues. So how can it be initial physical evidence? What this is confusing. So there's multiple um, reasons for tongues. And so initial physical evidence, let's differentiate quickly, or what does the Bible say, whatever you guys want to say about this, um, about the gift of tongues the public use of tongues and maybe the private use of tongues. What's the difference there? Is that in the Bible? Where do we, un how do we understand that? What can you guys say about that? So the private use of tongues would be synonymous with the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so when you, when you surrender to um, the Holy Spirit and his work in your, in your life, and you have that manifestation of speaking in tongues um, as a private experience where you're not being spurred by the Holy Spirit for other people to hear what you're saying, but you're just praying privately in another language. Um, it's primarily for two things, um, to express a need or to express your adoration and exaltation for the Lord. So in Romans 8, um, 26, he talks about, you know, praying in the spirit to express a need, how the spirit intercedes for us. And we don't know when we don't know how to pray. The spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And so, um, you know, when we have a need that we need to express that we don't know how to put in human words, um, or I should say our, our own language, um, the Holy Spirit can intercede for us and um, pray in that way. And then in Ephesians um, 5.18, uh, it talks about praying in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And so when you're just praying on your, you know, in your private time, you know, prayers are multiple things. They're not just petitions. They're not just intercession, but you're also praising. You're also thanking. You're also, you know, adoring God. You're exalting God. And so all of those things can all be encompassed in what we call the private tongue. When you're, when you're praying, but maybe in your own language you feel limited or you don't know how to pray, um, the Holy Spirit can intercede and pray for you, beyond you, and give you an, a, a deeper way to pray or a better way to pray. Yeah, can I just throw out there that maybe instead of using the word private, Maybe the word personal, personal. is a yeah. better. Because sometimes when we use the word private, we think it has to be something that's hidden away, something that's done where nobody else hears. And I think sometimes that can be the confusion because you can be at the altar and praying personally in the Holy Spirit. Right. And that's not the same as the public, but it is still your personal thing. And that doesn't necessarily require an interpretation because it's your personal language. And so just to, just to clarify, like, Private, when we're talking about private and personal, we're not necessarily mean it has to be something that's hidden away that 
like if somebody else hears you, all of a sudden now it has to have an interpretation. Good point. Um, yeah, I think that's great. And so the, when we talk about speaking in tongues, there's the initial physical evidence, another way of saying it's, it's a confirmation that I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. But also there's this personal use that we see in Paul's writings, Ephesians, to pray in the Spirit daily or, or whatever. He says, yeah, pray in the Spirit. When we don't know what to pray, the Spirit can pray for us. So those are in the scriptures. Also, I, I brought this up um, when I was growing up in church. My dad's a pastor, and uh, he would... You know, he would lead the church in prayer. He'd say, hey, we're going to pray for this person right now. Why don't you start praying? And then he would say, hey, if you have a personal prayer language right now, you can pray in that personal prayer language. And I would always be confused. I'm like, where is that in the Bible? Like, you know, speaking in tongues, sure, but I'm not seeing this anywhere. But, um, and that's why we're talking about this. What does the Bible say? Um, and, you know, praying in the Spirit in Ephesians, that's some of it. In 1 Corinthians 14, which talks a lot about the public use of tongues, which we can talk about. Um, but, in verse 2, he says, For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. And um, in verse 4, one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. And so this idea of using tongues in a personal way, in a personal prayer way, is we see that in Scripture and in Paul's writings. So then what's um, just, so again, we just talk about it, the public use of tongues the gift of tongues, what is that? Um, what does that mean, or where do we see that in Scripture? What's the purpose of that? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about a message of wisdom, a message of knowledge, the gift of healings, the gift of miraculous powers, prophecy, uh, the distinguish between um, um, the spirits. Um, and then it says to speak in different kind of tongues and interpretation. And the scripture is quite clear that when there is a public message in tongues, that there's not to be confusion, that you're to wait until it is interpreted, and it's God speaking to the church. Um, it also says, and I like in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that for when I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. And I think there's something important because there are times when we do not know how to pray. And for me, my, I know we're going back to personal now, but there's something personal. When I don't know how to pray, there's something that is comforting that my spirit prays through me uh, in a language to, to God that I don't understand. But Absolutely. I know that my spirit is, is being able to convey a concern uh, to the Lord. The public is for the edification of the body, but also a sign for unbelievers. Yeah, so, <clears throat> yeah, so uh, Paul makes it very clear that uh, the public tongue is a sign for unbelievers to be able to connect uh, with God, because ultimately, if you know, everyone's speaking in tongues in a service and the unbeliever is there or someone, you know, step kind of come to visit. Um, and there's a lot of, as Paul says, clanging going on. Uh, then how can how can that person grow? How can that person uh, draw closer to the Lord if they don't know what's going on? Um, going to Bible college was a blessing. Uh, and it was also a, a crucible in, uh, in <laughs> of sorts, uh, getting a chance to see. Some of this stuff kind of like 
uh, made manifest. And so what we're talking about is the manifestation, the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? As opposed to the ministry gifts of the Holy Spirit. Again, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier about context and, and making things clear when you're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there's even like kind of like a division between the ministry gifts and the manifestation gifts. And so making that distinction is important. But in regards to uh, the tongue being as a sign for the unbeliever, um, it is important to understand that when Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, it was because these gifts were being abused. And so he's trying to bring correction. He's like, no, 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 listen, this is not the way this is supposed to be used. It's not supposed to be used in this manner. If you're giving, if you're speaking out loud and it's a public tongue, there needs to be an interpretation. There's, there's like rules in First Corinthians here. There needs to be an interpretation, no more than three, all right? And um, ironically, we had a situation like that at Bible college where we had four, and it was like, it was just really weird. Our campus pastor at the time was, he was like the Obi-Wan of like all things pastoral because he was just like, he was just like, you know what? I don't believe that that word was for the for us. So, you know, we're going to keep moving. I was like, dude, you can't do that to somebody. And I didn't I didn't know. I thought that was like super like I was like I thought that was super rude. I'm like, bro, you can't be stifling the spirit like but I'm again, I'm a freshman. He's a rookie season vet, so he knows what he's talking about. But eventually he brings kind of correction and then the next day, next chapel, he addresses it. He says, "This is what it says in scripture, no more than 3." Uh and and, and in that moment he was very transparent. He said, I had to pray and ask for discernment. Uh, Lord, which one of these is out of place? Uh, and just trusting in the Holy Spirit. This is your body. You're going to bring order to this. So God, which one of these is out of place? Which is a bold prayer to pray. You got to be prayed up to say stuff like that. You know what I mean? Um, but at the same time, it was really good for me to see the importance of following the, the blueprint that we've been left here in the scriptures um, about the way the Holy Spirit operates. And uh, just along with that, the scripture does talk about, <clears throat> you know, talking about the abuse and, and following the rules here. Is it says, if there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet. And so the idea is that speaking in tongues is not something that happens to you where you lose control. Mm -hmm. There is very much involved within it our will. In that moment, we don't become zombies. We don't become robots. We still have to be discerning. And at times, there are times where it is appropriate to be quiet. In fact, one of the things is, and I think this is really where it comes down to, is when Paul finishes talking in chapter 12 all about the gifts of the Spirit, and he starts verse 13. Now, just because it's a, a, a chapter 13, just because it's a new chapter, doesn't mean he's going on to a totally different topic. Because actually what he says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm a resounding gong. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And basically, the point he's trying to make here is the gifts are good, the gifts are important, uh, important, but apart from love, you're doing damage. Yeah, so I really feel that we could read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, almost read the whole chapter. I, I would encourage you to go home after this and read it. Um, there's so much we could say, and uh, you know, especially, I think, chapter 14 about this, but that's so great, Pastor Todd, for bringing that up. And and I was Go just going to say, with that rhetorical question, do all speak in tongues, that is 
question to the public tongue. No, not everybody does speak in a public tongue, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the physical evidence of speaking in tongues is available to all. Yeah. Um, and so what I want to say, we said earlier, and I think this was a question that came in too, was why do some churches maybe not emphasize this stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because it's hard. It's hard for somebody out of college. Uh, same thing that happened at um, uh, where I was in college as well, Valley Forge. And, you know, somebody would speak out and with a message and for somebody to go up there and say, uh, we don't accept that from the Lord today or, 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 or whatever the case is. That, that's difficult. That's difficult. And there's more we could say about that. And, uh, but, you know, we want to be faithful to what the scriptures say. In First Thess- Thessalonians, it says, don't quench the spirit. But it also says, test the spirits, too. Don't, don't just believe every spirit. Test it through the word of God. Um, and so it can be difficult, but it's important. And I want to say, too, this is helpful for me. Um, N.T. Wright is a prominent New Testament scholar. I know Pastor Jamal is familiar with him. He's um, probably the leading New Testament scholar alive today. And so he's not Pentecostal, uh, probably wouldn't believe in the uh, initial physical evidence or overemphasized baptism in the Holy Spirit. But he, uh, I was listening to a podcast with him recently. He um, uh, he he, uh, speaks in tongues in his personal prayer life. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Matt Chandler, he's pastor of the Village Church in Texas, big church. He's written a bunch of uh, books. They've got a lot of resources available. He felt that their church was not accurately reflecting the scriptures. They're not a Pentecostal church, but he realized the gifts of the Spirit are not in operation at our church. We need to start to emphasize this. And I think that was about a year ago, one or two years ago. And so we emphasize them in Pentecostal circles, absolutely. And that can make you feel like, oh, are you guys overemphasizing it or focusing on it too much? But other people outside of these circles recognize this is in the scripture, and that's why we're talking about it. Again, sometimes it's hard, um, but we want to do we want to do what is seen in scripture. So, I did want to ask this, and Pastor Jeff, you basically just answered it or touched on it. But uh, we're t- we've talked about the biblical data for spirit baptism, speaking in tongues in the Book of Acts, First Corinthians, especially. There's other passages as well. Uh, Ephesians, other things about speaking in tongues and, and this stuff. But is I wanted to ask a question. Is speaking in tongues for today, or is that just for the early church? There's that passage that you brought up, 1 Corinthians 13. It talks about, or I'm sorry, actually, no, you, you were talking about a separate passage that's, um, what, what, was, what was it? I'm, I'm getting confused. Um, yeah, that do all speak in tongues. In 1 Corinthians 13, 8, uh, he talks about, I believe that's where it is, he talks about that tongues will cease. And so some, some say, oh, well, we don't, need, we don't need tongues for today because uh, it, it will cease. Let me read it, and then you guys can weigh in on it uh, if this is it. Yeah, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. And actually, 13.8, did I just read it? This is, I'm reading from the NASB. Yeah, yeah. Yes, where there are prophecies, they will cease. Tongues, they will cease. Um, we, we prophesy in part and we, we know in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. So some people say, um, uh, how do you guys respond to that, actually? Let me just say that. How do you respond to that? I've, I've, I actually am friends with uh, people who do believe this, uh, and they definitely are like, very much like, hey, you know what? Jesus is the perfect. He, is, he has come. He has been here on this earth. Therefore, there is no there is no need for tongues. And to that, I respond. Uh, well, Jesus did come. D- 
Jesus did die. Uh, he resurrected, and then he ascended into heaven, and guess what? Tongues still came after. So, like, the idea that all of a sudden, just because Jesus was here on this earth, tongues are now done, it doesn't make sense if later on he, we see tongues happen, and we see him be the one, like, hey, bro, go to Jerusalem, wait for this thing, it's gonna be fire, literally. But, um, yeah, so I think that that, I think that when people try to use Jesus as the crux of the perfect that has come for now tongues to be um, done with, uh, that's actually a fallacy. So, And uh, some more context in that passage. When you read through it and you get towards the end, you can see that he's talking about there's going to be a time where we see Jesus face to face. So the idea of uh, prophecies coming and um, speaking tongues ceasing is talking about that moment when we see Jesus face to face there will be no more need for prophecy there will be no more need for tongues because we will be in the presence of Jesus so what are you prophesying about he's right there in front of you yeah. you know yeah. Yeah. My spirit's not yeah. a, a, a podcast a commentary I just heard recently on 1 Corinthians 13, um, she, she was commenting on all of this and how, you know, we can rejoice in the fact that one day we're not going to need prophecy anymore. We're not going to need, you know, the gift of the the gift of tongues and interpretation anymore because we'll see Jesus face to face and communicate. And she said, you know, she can't wait to be faithless and hopeless because he says where three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And when we get to heaven, we won't need faith anymore because it'll be right in front of our face. We won't, we won't need hope anymore because we'll have our hope fulfilled. All we need is love. So. Awesome. We won't need cool. the gift of healing. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> there you go. Those are some great answers. Uh, there's probably more we can say about that, but <clears throat> let's move on to this. So we're saying, um, we're talking about baptism in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. We're talking about how you are filled with the Holy Spirit when you believe in Jesus and you have the potential to be baptized in the Holy Spirit as a separate experience. Um, and speaking in tongues, uh, there's different purposes of it. It's the initial physical evidence. It's a confirmation for me to know, wow, God's really been, uh, he's, I've been baptized in the spirit. He can use me in these different ways or whatever. Uh, also, speaking in tongues is the gift of speaking in tongues in a public sense, in a public setting, in church. Somebody will have a message, but we read in 1 Corinthians 14, that should be orderly. It shouldn't be spooky, confusing. Actually, he kind of lays down some rules, two or three. You know, you should be able to control yourselves. The spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. God's not a God of confusion, but of peace. So there's the public tongues. And then there's the personal or private tongues that you can actually pray in the spirit, that the Holy Spirit can pray with you, uh, for you. At Romans 8, we read that. And so speaking in tongues, we see this biblical data um, in book, the book of Acts in those chapters in 1 Corinthians and Ephesians. And uh, we know speaking in tongues then is for today. Um, until one day when we're reunited with Jesus in heaven. And so I think the natural question starts to become this. So what's the biblical purpose for baptism in the Holy Spirit? Why should we desire this? Why should we seek this? I mean, we said that you're saved and you're going to heaven, and, and uh, we didn't say tonight, but let's make it clear that nobody is less than or second class. Uh, oh, if you're baptized, you're this level, and if you're not baptized, you're, well, you're a different level. That's not true. Absolutely not. But then, so then actually, why really talk about it anyway? I mean, what's the purpose of it? Why should we seek it? Um, well, I think, I think we should seek it because Paul tells us, he says, earnestly seek the gifts. He makes it very clear uh, that we as believers are now on mission, all right? Um, 
Being part of the kingdom means we are building the kingdom. Uh, you need tools to build the kingdom. And God has afforded us, right, these tools as manifestations of the Holy Spirit to edify the body, to build up the kingdom so that the message can go forth. And so Paul tells us, hey, listen, earnestly seek the gifts so that you can be a part of what God is doing, so that you can be a part of what God is building. Uh, and I think that it, this is, again, personal opinion alert, personal opinion alert. I think that it's really, really awkward to say to Jesus, I surrender my life. And then when he says, hey, come labor with me in building the kingdom, you're like, yeah, but I don't want to do that. I just, I, I, are you really surrendered at that point? That just is something that pops into my brain. I already, I already got my, my own issues struggling right now with surrendering to the Holy Spirit when he tells me, you know, not, not to scream at somebody when they cut me off. Like I, so like, I don't need to add now this whole, a whole nother layer like of like, now I don't want to help you build your kingdom either. You know, like I'm already doing dumb stuff on my own. Like I don't need to add this other layer. But, um, but yeah, Paul tells us, hey, listen, earnestly seek the gifts. It's important uh, to do so. I think where we run into trouble is very much where the Corinthian church ran into trouble. They started to abuse the gifts. And then on top of abusing the gifts, they were elevating themselves based on the gift that they had. So now it was about status. It's like, oh, well, you know what? You, I mean, you're just kind of serving. You're not really like speaking in tongues like we are over here. So it's like you're kind of subsidiary. And Paul was like, yo, you guys are, no, you, mis you misunderstand all of this. And so, he's, again, that whole letter, is he's just trying to bring correction. So I think we find issues when people take what Paul said in terms of like seeking the gifts and then in that are starting to chase almost like a Boy Scout badge of sorts. Like, now I have all these gifts. Look at me. Look at what I'm doing, you know, my kingdom that I'm building. Um, and that's, I think, where we find a lot of trouble. Personally, that's just, again, personal opinion. I was going to say that one of the purpose, obviously, you will see power to witness. So you can't, that's scripture. But I don't know if anybody, we, I know we're talking a lot about speaking in tongues, but I'm sure there's some that have heard people sing in tongues during worship, uh, I've heard people express worship in their um, personal tongue, and it's glorious to be able to let the spirit, your, your spirit, to praise the Lord in your personal tongue. I mean, that's something we don't hear much of today, but I've seen uh, take place. And the other thing I that I appreciate about the purpose of speaking in tongues is when you go on mission trips at the altar call where people are coming up from a foreign country trying to convey to you in their own language a personal need, and you don't understand the language. But there's a connection in spirit where my spirit can pray for them in my heavenly prayer language. Yeah, and <clears throat> just so you know, the whole point of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not to just speak in tongues. Right. That's really important, important because That's sometimes important. that gets overemphasized to the point where, like, the whole point about the baptism is that you can speak in tongues, speak in tongues, speak in tongues. That is the evidence. That is not the end goal. Our end goal is to have a deeper relationship with Jesus. Amen. That is, <laughs> I can't. That is the ultimate goal of seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that we can have a thriving 
relationship with our Heavenly Father. And as a result, here are the, some of the things that grow within us. Now, these are things that already take place in us when we come to Christ and he gives us the Holy Spirit. But when we're pursuing that deeper relationship with Jesus and we experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're even more sensitive to conviction of sin. I know we don't like to talk about that. <laughs> but we need to be more sensitive because to be honest, the Bible tells us our hearts deceive us, right? Our hearts are deceitful above all things. And so we need a voice from the outside to speak to us about areas of our life that we need to surrender more in and be repentant in. We, we become more sensitive to the, Holy, to, to the Holy Spirit, to God leading us. Like there are times we don't know what to do and we need God to show us the way. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is another one of those things that as we're getting closer and being drawn closer to God, we become more sensitive and can sense his direction. It's one of those things that reminds us what we've learned. One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to bring to mind the scriptures that we've learned, the things that God has spoken to us, so that in a moment when we don't know what to do, or in a moment when we're struggling, or in a moment when we're facing doubt, or in a moment when we're tempted, God's word can come to mind. The Holy Spirit brings that to mind. And baptism in the Holy Spirit, when you're more sensitive because you've had this experience and your relationship with God is growing, he can bring things to mind that we hear and we respond to. Holy Spirit gives us power to witness. We want to talk about Jesus. That should be one of our heart goals, you know, is to talk about Jesus. Sometimes we get in front of somebody and we want to talk to them. And we're like, I don't know what to say. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is another one of those opportunities for us to be closer to God, more sensitive, where we can hear and he gives us power to say and for there to be power in our words beyond what we humanly can put in them. And then the Holy Spirit gives us power to pray too. So, Thank you. That's awesome. And I actually think of... Uh... Uh, heard it said, when it comes to witnessing, I remember th this was helpful for me. If I can trust God with this heavenly language that I don't understand, how much more can I trust him in English with my own language when it came to witnessing? And so just one of the many thoughts that we can keep talking about. Um, but so there are lots of purposes. Worship, witnessing uh, helps us to live better, helps us to witness, um, to pray and to praise God. And so let's begin to wrap up here so we make sure we don't go too far over time here. Um, we've said that it's a gift from God. We've established the theology of the Holy Spirit, that baptism in the Holy Spirit is biblical. It's, given, it's a gift given to us by God. In fact, it's a normal part of the Christian walk. Even us making, um, you know, talking, defining terms, coming up with this terminology, and then you, Pastor Jamal, kind of saying, well, actually, it's a little bit interchangeable. I think the Bible doesn't, we're laying it out a little bit more clearly just for our own understanding tonight, but the, it seems like it's just normal in the Bible. It's like, oh, hey, if you speak in tongues, please, if it's in public, please, you know, keep it, you know, together. And if it's personal, you can, hey, get, you know, it's great. You can do that. And so it's just a normal part of the Christian walk, which is like really wonderful and really special. So as we begin to wrap up, here's the last couple of things I just wanted to hit. Um, this was a few people asked this, and I think this is important for us to know, discerning between me or God. And I think this would be a natural question whether, yeah, if you're, if you're seeking baptism in the Holy Spirit and you say, how am I going to know if it's real or whatever, even if that's not the case where you are right now, you're just saying, man, I feel like God spoke to me, maybe in a more general sense. How do I know when it's God that spoke to me, not just my own mind or I made it up? What can you guys say to that? quickly as we begin to wrap up. 
I think uh, that's kind of like a number one question a lot of students ask. Um, they're like, how do I know if it's me? Uh, and one of, one of the things that I tell them uh, kind of as a litmus test is, is what does the scripture, what does the scripture say? Does the scripture line up with what you heard? You know, if you, you know, if you're praying, you know, and, and you feel like the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and all of a sudden you, the Holy Spirit's like, you get, you're going to have, you know, unicorns and bubbles follow you the rest of the days. You know, I would, I would say you might want to check, check your biblical, uh, your, your little biblical safety net and make sure that, that that's what's running alongside in scripture. Because if it's not, then I would say that that's probably not, uh, probably not, it's not the Holy Spirit. That's probably you. Um, and I think Pastor Todd, you made mention of this, I think right before we started about uh, there's different ways that people kind of, uh, that the Holy Spirit or, you know, Sources. here's yeah. a lob. So, ah, uh, lob yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, so one of the things, the Bible talks about, there's a couple different sources that comes from, uh, like, hmm, how do I say this? Like, sometimes when we speak out, and we speak out in the Holy Spirit, we speak out trying to, uh, the gifts, prophecy, speak in tongues. Bible talks about there being a couple sources. The number one source is God. <laughs> then you have the false prophets. But then scripture also talks about how sometimes we speak out from our hearts. And so um, let me just uh, share this verse. It's from, um, hold on now. See, I had it all queued up. And then I thought we moved on. See, this is where you, if we were doing the podcast, we could stop it until I find it. And then... Edit it out. Yeah. So. Um, <clears throat> this first one is from Ezekiel chapter 13, verse two, and it says, the word of the Lord came to me, send a man prophesy against the prophets of Israel who are prophesying and say to those who prophesy from their own hearts. Okay. There's one. So let me read one other one. That's from Jeremiah. Jeremiah twenty three sixteen. And it says, thus, the Lord of host, thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. And so there's times where we want to step out in the Holy Spirit and we want to be obedient and we're trying hard to do the right thing, but we speak out of our own hearts and out of our own minds. And so it's important that we understand that there are certain things within Scripture that say, hey, if these things are of God, number one, they're going to line up with Scripture. If they don't line up with Scripture, it may be from your own heart and your own mind. The other thing is, too, is that if I'm speaking, if somebody... So I'll give you an example. When I was in high school, I had a girl come to me and say, the Lord spoke to me and we're going to be together. Okay? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right? Let me tell you, there was no confirmation of that. If someone, yeah. So I said that happened in college a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, ring by spring, but that's no, a different. So, so here's the thing. If someone is giving you a message in the Holy Spirit and it does not ring true with what God has been speaking to you, and if you seek counsel from others and it doesn't ring with them, then it may be coming from their heart and from their own mind and not from God. It's important. We're actually told to test those things against Scripture. 
And so how do we know if it's me or God? Well, the first thing is, does it match up with Scripture? If it does not match up with Scripture, it's you. It's not God. The second thing is, is it being confirmed? Is this something that God has been speaking to me for a while? When I seek the counsel and advice of others, does it line up with what they think God is doing in my life? Or trusted doing? counsel. Trusted, trusted counsel. Count, trusted trusted counsel. counsel, yes. Wise counsel. All right. Don't ask a two-year-old. Two right. <laughs> a wise, mature believer who knows you. And then you continue to pray. And if it really is from God, it will come to pass. If it's not from God and it fizzles out, then it's not from God. So those are a couple of big things. So I think, <clears throat> ironically, um, I think we might, we might be studying, we might have been studying the same passage of scripture. Jeremiah is, I think, in this particular instance, he's talking to, um, he's talking to the nation of Israel because what ended up happening was Israel got ransacked <clears throat> and are, have been dragged away into Babylonian captivity. And so there's a good portion of them that are in Babylon, but there's a remnant that is left in Israel. And then there's three prophets. Uh, I don't remember the other two's names, but one of their names was Hananiah. And they were prophesying. They were like, guys, don't worry about it. This, this is only going to last for two years. Uh, and then Jeremiah gets a word from the Lord, and God's like, yo, go tell them to shut their mouths because they don't know what they're talking about. And Jeremiah's like, um... Yeah, uh, newsflash, it's not two years, it's 70 years. And two years and 70 years ain't the same amount of time. So, like, and obviously, if you, I say if you, but, like, them being in captivity, what sounds better, two years or 70 years? Right? And so people, and this is what we have a tendency to do sometimes, we hear a word from the Lord that sounds phenomenal, and we're like, amen. We're ready to amen it. We're ready to shout it down. Um, and we haven't brought it before scripture. We haven't brought it before the Lord. We haven't brought it before the wise counsel. And we go on about our days trusting in a word that's not true to begin with. Um, and you set yourself up for failure. Or even more, you set yourself up to become one of those types of people who be like, you know what? God said he was going to do this and he didn't do it. And so now you're blaming God but you and your own self didn't handle this thing that came across uh, correctly. So obviously Jeremiah comes back. He's like, no, they're wrong. Uh, it's 70 years and it's, not, it's no bueno. Yeah. I was going to say, I think sometimes we mean well. Mm -hmm. And when someone comes up and says, I have a word from the Lord for you. Sometimes that can be a little scary um, and I think sometimes when we use that phrase, we try to elevate ourselves above the person whom we're talking to. I appreciate, I, I guess I could mention her name. I appreciate your wife, Stephanie, from time to time. She'll just hand me a little piece of scripture that's right on all the time. And it's done with a humble attitude. She doesn't come up and say, I have a word from the Lord for you. God gave me this scripture verse to you. She'll just hand me a piece of paper. And I find that so refreshing. You, Pastor Jamal, I think the other day on Tuesday we were talking that sometimes you have a word for people, but explain how you do it in a humble way. Because I thought that was so refreshing. Um, and I think we all agreed 
to yeah. uh, the advice you gave that, that Tuesday? Um, so um, I, I think some of my disposition about think the gifts of the Spirit is be because I've seen the abuses of it. So I think immediately, oftentimes, there is a reservation to, to kind of step into those things. Uh, but when I do feel like the unction of the, of the Holy Spirit, um, the way I kind of go about it is I'll walk up to the person and I will tell them, hey, listen, um, I don't know how you feel about these things. Um, you know, uh, here's how I feel about these things. However, I do believe God has given me something to share with you uh, if it is of the Lord. And this is, these are my um, kind of like caveats because like what we said, I don't trust my own heart. You know, I don't, you know, I just, I just don't. So I'll step into it and I'll say, if this, of the, if this is of the Lord, please take it and run it along scripture and make sure that this is what it is. Uh, but if it's not, would you be so bold and tell me that I'm off the mark? I am not, oh, I am not, I'm not so high and mighty that I would sit here and say, I know what I'm saying is right and it's dead on. So I say to them, I give them the option. Hey, it, and I'm, I'm also subjecting myself to learn and grow in the gift by saying, hey, if this is wrong, can you tell me? So that I can say to myself, well, you know what, Jamal, this was not right. You know, we didn't go about the process correctly. Or, you know what, we weren't hearing from the Lord uh, on this about this person, or maybe this was something more specific to myself. <clears throat> so I offer them the opportunity to critique me on the spot because I feel like if I'm, if I subject myself to that, um, that the Holy Spirit's going to do His work. He's going to do His work in me about correction, and maybe even in them that maybe there's something that God wants to speak to them, and maybe they need to go and seek out what that is. Um, that's just my process. I, I don't. I think everyone else has. Everyone has different processes, but for me, I just feel like we can't. Like you got to be humble. You have to be humble. You cannot. I. I just. I. I keep saying personal opinion, but this is my personal opinion. I have a hard time, I have a personal hard time walking around as if I am, have this authority in myself. Like, I don't have that. It's, I don't have that. If there is any authority, it belongs to Christ and belongs to Christ alone. Therefore, as an ambassador, I step forward and say, hey, listen, um, this is what I believe he's speaking. If this is wrong, could you tell me? And just, uh, I don't want to go on forever, but, and I'll give you an example of why stuff like that is so important. Um, when I was in high school, as, as a teenager seeking God, wanting to know God, wanting to be obedient, we had a speaker come to our church. And one of the things he did is he went around, he prayed for people, and he prophesied over some of them. And he prophesied over me. And it was very confusing because he said, oh, you're going to have healing hands. You're going to have healing hands, which is, number one, something that God was not speaking to me at all. And then I was stuck in trying to make that happen because I felt like, well, if this is what God wants for me, isn't this what I have to do? And it was very confusing to me as a teenage kid as I'm trying to figure out what God's will is. And it was hard for me to hear what God's will is because I had this person's voice in my ear. And I was trying to do what I thought was right, but that person was wrong. They spoke from their heart, and it brought more confusion. And, and which comes into a couple of other things that I guess we'll talk about at the end, where experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit or whatever. 
but it took me a while to get to the point where I'm like, I can't live according to what somebody else said. I have to seek God for myself. Well, yeah, that is a great transition. We're going to wrap up um, just so we're not going too much over. But let's close with this. And then if we want to talk a little bit about maybe somebody who's seeking, why don't we go around the circle really quick? If, if you guys can share your personal experience with baptism in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, maybe even the difference it's made in your life as well, if you want to say that. Absolutely. Um, one one thing I just wanted to say about, you know, knowing wh- whether it's self versus the spirit is, um, we talked about the other day this too, but the fruit is the most important. The fr- fruit of the spirit is the most important, really, um, evidence to know that if it's you or the spirit. Um, because if those things aren't being evidenced in your life, um, most likely it's probably self. That's projecting whatever it's projecting. We should have said that first. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, and, and, and I just wanted to read this, this quote real quick before I get into my own personal testimony. He's, um, the pa- this one pastor comments, they're all being interviewed, and he comments, and he says, because ma- he's talking about this, how the fruit is more important. He says, too many believers chase after the power of God but lack discipline and character. Um, and so, it, you know, if you're not manifesting those things um, in your life, you know, in this, and the fruit of the Spirit, then without love, it's just a resounding gong. But um, so my first experience with the baptism of the Holy Spirit actually happened um, probably very close to this vicinity, right, like right above the drum cage, most likely, um, in my bedroom where the house used to stand on the church property. Um, that's a holy area over there, um, <clears throat> sanctified and set apart. Um, but um, no, I was in eighth grade, I believe, at, at end of eighth grade, summer after eighth grade, and um, you know, moving here, coming to this church, um, really just discovering, you know, my own walk and my own journey with God. And I remember, I that summer I had read Keith Green's biography and was just really um, just seeking God for myself, and not because it was something that my parents do, or not just because something that we do, you know, as our family or that we go to church. And so, as I was seeking God that summer, one night um, I just began praying in tongues, and. Just an encouragement for those of you who may be asking, okay, well, you've been talking a lot about, like, how do you know that the um, the gifts of the Spirit are you versus, you know, if they're God versus you. But maybe you might be asking yourself, well, how do I know when I pray in tongues, you know, the the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when I'm, when I'm praying in tongues in my own personal prayer time, how do I know that that's not me, but it's God, go, you know, praying through me? How, how do I know it's really the Spirit and not just me? Well, the first time that I prayed in tongues, um, I was praying in tongues, but I was praying in English in my in my mind. So it was it was in my mind, fully formed what I was saying in another language coming out of my mouth. So that was a sign to me personally that I knew that I wasn't just manifesting this out of my own self desire, but that it was really God, you know, proving to me like this is what this is my you know gift to you. So. Yeah, um, I think that uh, going, just tying your story back to a point Pastor Todd made, uh, you know, we don't, it's not a possession of sorts. The Holy Spirit enables us. We do the speaking, but we are enabled by the Holy Spirit. That's, that's, that's important. Um, I was 17 years old at Bible camp, or uh, yeah, Bible camp. Um, 
and I felt the call uh, to go up. It was the night where they were talking about um, being called to do something great for God, and that was the night I was called into youth ministry, uh, and that was the same night I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the year before, I'd seen some of my friends get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I was just like, what? Like, what's going on here? Like, I want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Like, um, and I was kind of feeling like on the outside, but it, it was in my uh, junior, summer of my junior year, going to my senior year, going into my senior year, um, received the call, and it was that same night that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. So when I was in high school, <clears throat> one of my, I, I grew up in a Simmons of God church, um, the same Simmons of God church, so I knew everybody and everybody knew me. And in moments of altar call, I wanted baptism in the Holy Spirit. But I also saw people get worked up into it, and I didn't want that. I wanted God to move, not me. And so I really struggled for a long time with, Am I baptized? Am I not baptized? Is it me? Is it God? Is it me? Is it God? And that actually held me back for a little while. So I didn't experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit until I was at college. And I went to a prayer meeting that was a student-led prayer meeting. And um, uh, there were no professors there. It was just students. And we were praying for baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I remember praying for it, praying for it. And things were getting wacky. <laughs> for lack of a better word, because they wanted something to happen so bad. And it was a big turnoff for me, and it brought confusion. And when I went back to my dorm room that night, I'm like, God, like, I want you, but I don't want it to be me, and I don't understand. I, I see it getting built up, and it was in that very intimate time of being honest with God and being like, I want you, I don't want it to be fake. That I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it, it actually reminds me a lot of the scriptures where it talks about, you know, there was the loud thunder, there was the rushing of roaring waters, but God wasn't in all that. He was in the still soul voice that he spoke to me personally, not in the everyone shouting in my ear, speak it. <laughs> so... Yeah, uh, for me, it was while I was in college, and I grew up in Assemblies God circles as well. My dad was a pastor, so I felt for a long time that I was also uncomfortable even really talking about the topic, but at altar calls and stuff, right, I had some of those experiences, so I felt I heard, you know, people talk about they had it in a more personal, private setting, and I was like, God, you know, uh, that's that's what's going to happen for me then, because I don't want to be, I'm, I don't want the altar call, I don't want people on, you know, laying hands on me and stuff, so it actually was at a Holy Spirit service, though, so I think that was just to be a little funny. But um, it was totally a God thing for me. All the walls that I had that night coming in, like even little things, I was like, uh, I have something in my pocket right now. I'm distracted or I'm, I'm too tired. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it. Like the guy was up front. And he's like, hey, you know, it's okay. You got something in your pocket right now. It's okay if you're tired right now. Don't worry about it. You're not going to miss God. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, So, you know, that was cool for me. And uh you know, a lot of what he said about, yeah, if you can trust God in this heavenly language and um, that sort of stuff, that really helped me. And I also believe this helped me as well. <clears throat> you know, I would read, I was in college, and I was like, if I'm going into ministry, you know, I need this. We say it's empowerment for ministry, and I was all worked up about it. And uh, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in October, and it was in January that I got a phone call about Searchlight, which is where I've been. I was there for uh, almost eight years. But that was my first real place of ministry, and it happened right after being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I always thought that that was connected, that God did that in my life, and so that was significant for me. 
For me, the spring of my sophomore year at high school, I had given my life to Christ. And that whole summer, I hung around church kids. We did youth group events, uh, just living for the Lord. Went back to high school my junior year and got caught up in the soccer, the popularity. And you live with one foot in the world, one foot in the church. And it came that fall, I had to make a decision, you know, am I going to go wrestle again, varsity? You know, I, I just, I didn't like how I was living my Christian life. I remember a Sunday night church at a Fairmount Methodist church. Nobody else got baptized in the Methodist church, did you? Fairmount Methodist church. I was at the altar and I said, Lord, I don't like living one foot in the world and one foot in church. I just want to give you my all. And I just sat kneeling at the altar, just praying, God, I want to give you my all. I want to give you my all. I want to give you. I wasn't even seeking the baptism. People started coming and placed their hands on me because I think maybe they thought I was seeking the baptism. And all I can remember was fire. My back was burning. I was just burning up. And all of a sudden, I started hearing these words in my mind. And I started to speak them. And someone's like, he's got it. He's got it. And I almost stood up and said, no, I don't have it. That's just me. But when you start speaking those words that come to your mind, you'll think that it's just you. But by faith, you just keep speaking them. And that's how I received. It was, it was, I wasn't even seeking this the, the tongues, I was just seeking the Lord. And I think we put too much pressure on ourselves that if we just sit and glorify and seek the Lord and relax with it and don't try to figure it and analyze it, it's just a natural flow of God's Spirit wants to do in you. Absolutely. And so uh, with that, let, let's close with this. If uh, there are some people here who maybe say, man, I would like to seek this gift or um, uh, this is a gift from God that can be part of my Christian walk. I'm seeking after God in this way. What are just, what's maybe some advice that you can say as you continue to seek this? What would you say? And then we'll, uh, we'll close. I guess because I reach for paper, everybody's waiting for me to answer. Um, so here's a couple things that I would say. <clears throat> Number one, keep seeking God for it. Okay, it's not an issue of spiritual achievement. It's not an issue of you're not spiritual enough. God has perfect timing for you. Okay? Somebody else's timing for you is not the same as God's timing for you. And even our own timing for ourselves isn't the same as God's timing for us. He has a perfect moment when he wants to give it to you. The second thing is... Don't be afraid, and I talk to the kids when we do talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you feel the urge to speak and say something, sometimes we're like, but it's going to be nonsense, or I don't even know what that is. It's okay. Speak it. Okay? That is a step of faith. Faith, if it was all perfectly laid out, is not faith. <laughs> right? It's just that one little step of faith. And don't be discouraged, okay? It does not say anything about your spiritual life if you have not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
I know some wonderful believers who have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and sometimes I consider them more mature than other people who speak in tongues all the time. It's not a measure of your spirituality, okay? Scripture's quite clear. God gives us stuff because of him, not because of us. Yeah, it, Thank you. Absolutely. Anybody else? Encouragement? Just yeah. I, encouragement, 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 and we'll close. Sure. Um, yeah, I think one of the things that I was taught, and I, I don't have a pen to draw it out, but I wish I could, but um, one of the things that I was taught is that um, oftentimes people communicate that um, um, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit or you speak in tongues, then your life kind of opens up in like this cone. So if you think of like... Um, life in terms of like a linear, like a line across. It says, some people say that you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit on somewhere on that line, and then all of a sudden your life opens up kind of like into this like, um, yeah, like a cone just expanding forever, and now your life has, boom, exploded. Um, but what I was taught in Bible college is the minute you come to know Jesus Christ, that's when it opens up. Right. Your life opens up, and somewhere in there, you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. There's no, like, formula. There's no, like, equation for that. It's that, as Pastor Todd said, God decides, boom, I'm going to, um, you know, gift them in this, in this way and in this manner. Uh, when I heard it like that, that completely just changed my, my mindset. And so hopefully maybe that can, you know, encourage somebody uh, tonight. I would just say, um, <clears throat> I think that's uh, great. And for me, I like practical. So, you know, if you're somebody who says, man, I want to uh, seek that from God, I'd encourage you to pray out loud. If you say, man, uh, I, would, I would love to have that experience. You know, get used to hearing your own voice. Pray out loud. Don't just pray in your head. Uh, pray out loud. We already said seek the giver, not the gift. We said it's not the end all. Oh, I spoke in tongues. I'm great. Check the box. You can be immature and speak in tongues. It doesn't mean anything about what level you are at all. And so be seeking God. And I would also say, um, do something. You know, if wh why is it that you want to seek this gift? Well, I want to love God more. I, I, how cool would it be if I could sing in the spirit, like Pastor Jeff was talking about, if I could pray in the spirit. I read it in Romans. If I could Wow, trust God with this language I don't know. I could witness more. So how, how about you start doing those things? Man, I'm going to make sure that I'm, I am talking to others about God. And as I'm doing that, God, would you baptize me? Or would you give me this confirmation that you are, you, you are filling me and using me this way? So I would, I would say uh, I would encourage you with those things. I just want to read this. You can't yell loud enough, shake hard enough, or hype yourself up enough to make God move any faster in your life. So relax. <laughs> Trust that God knows exactly when you're ready to receive. That's all I got to say about that. Amen to that. Thank you. Again, you should have said that at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> hey.
I hope you guys have enjoyed this. This is part of what we do during staff, and it's just kind of informal. We usually joke around a lot more. Um, but for all of you, hey, I appreciate you coming, and all of us are available at any time. I, I think of the, ex my encouragement would be this, not so much for me, but it would be, I remember someone asking Heather one time, so did you always want to be a pastor's wife? <laughs> and she married me, not because I was called into ministry. She married me because of who I was. She fell in love with me. And who I was was a pastor of an Assembly of God church who preached speaking in tongues and believed in it. She had to go on her own journey and couldn't get from what I had, but she had to go on her own journey. And when you were at a community college, you had to do an English paper and on a strange phenomenon. So she talked to the secular uh, teacher at this community college. She wanted to do the paper on speaking in tongues. And it was through her research, through her reading, that on her own, she came up with that the physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. Not because she heard it preached, not because I was her husband who was a preacher of an Assembly of God church, but she did the research on her own and came up with the conclusion on her own. And in her own, I remember in her own privacy, I believe it was in your bedroom, uh, our bedroom during one time during your devotions all by yourself without any hype. God filled her or baptized. I shouldn't say filled because you're filled that salvation. God baptized her with the evidence of speaking in tongues. It happens on all different ways, all different occasions. And um, I just think this has been really encouraging tonight. Can we pray? Father, we know that there are many, what I would say, insecure people who have to hype things and try to make themselves look better a lot of times. And God, we put up with some abuses. Lord, the many times, Lord, I, I've seen people praying for people and unfortunately just pushing them over or telling them to repeat a phrase or speaking loud and speaking tongues in their ears that they may start repeating. Lord, we, we've put up with the abuses over these years because of our perhaps our own security, because we want to make ourselves be more spiritual and let people think that we're more spiritual. And God, sometimes the abuse does so much damage and so much harm that we shy away from a normal experience that we see taking place in your word, an experience that you want for all. So Lord, I, help, I ask that you would help us to relax, to just seek you daily, to read scriptures and to study on our own. And Lord, at that timing, Lord, you will fill and baptize with the evidence of speaking in tongues and 
just in our own personal privacy or at the altar or at a revival service. God, I just pray that you would continue to educate us as we grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen.